one more thing, you know, listening to a couple of your podcasts lately and, you know, uh, with, with your business, you're, you're in momentum, you're in value, you're in trend following, you're in shareholder yield. There's a whole bunch of things. I heard you say that you believe that trend following is a great complement to value. And I, you know, we're thinking about that because we had this point on, on our show a couple of times saying that, well, really, you know, we could be doing just pure trend following 100% of it. That would be great. And in fact, you know, we're doing it. And so if I say, take my trend following trading system and I scale it to the same volatility as say Berkshire Hathaway or some other, you know, value type of investing strategy, then the result is, well, I like my trend following trading system and I don't want the value thing. So why do you think it's, it's a great blend? By far the most important thing in all of the investing space, I think, is for people to find an approach that works for them. And I actually don't think, as I get older, uh, I, I don't think the particular investing approach that people undertake is the most important thing. I think the most important thing is, is how much they save and how much they invest in the first place and when they start to save and invest. I think for most people, that swamps how much they're going to return on their portfolios. And so, uh, you know, what we love talking about, which is the fun part, which is the sexy part, talking about the investing side, and it's endlessly fascinating. You know, we could spend many, many hours, um, you know, going down rabbit holes of the best way to do value investing or, or momentum or anything else, market cap weighting. I, I think the hardest part for most people, and, and, and when I say people, by the way, I mean, I mean institutions too, most of the institutions we talk to are just as bad as the average person on the street as far as um, building and, and sticking with a portfolio. And a lot of the academic research backs that up too. Um, you know, is, is finding an approach that works for them. And, and the problem with that comment is there's a huge education gap in investing. You know, so they don't teach in the U.S. At least they don't teach personal finance or investing in high school or college. Not mandatory. Um, you need a fair amount of financial history to have a good grounding in um, in the markets. And then even once you know that, you really don't find your way, your path until you experience it. You know, so much like, like me going through the bubble in the late 2000s or the people that were buying seven houses in the mid 2000s or um, the people that put all their retirement savings into the top 10 cryptos last year you don't necessarily know what your investing style is until you felt the real pain of losing money. Um, some people, we mentioned Buffett earlier, say they were inoculated kind of at birth. They knew what they, their strategy was going to be forever and, and God bless them. Um, but for a lot of people, they got to kind of stumble their way into it. And the problem, of course, with that is so much of what goes on in our world plays out on not a quarterly or even yearly time frame, but it's decades. I mean, there's some investment approaches that I think are totally viable that could have an entire decade of underperformance. People used to ask me, said, Meb, what, what do you think is a reasonable time frame to assess XYZ strategy? And usually talk about my own. But I said, I used to think it was 10 years. Now I think it's 20. But how many people you know, are, are willing to sit around for 20 years and, and look into an investing strategy? Uh, very few. So um, I, it's, it's a Saturday morning. So you guys caught me on, on a fair amount of coffee and tea. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm giving you the, the really long-winded workaround answer. But the way that I think is most important to build a portfolio, and this is what we spend most of our time thinking about, actually, it's not the the mechanics of the individual portfolios or funds. I think we have 11 now. It's 
how can you best structure a portfolio that will keep people behaving well in institutions? And so for me, you know, if you look at buy and hold, there's plenty of issues that people have with buy and hold. Um, and the biggest one is, is traditionally, if you look like a 2018, um, when almost everything went down, but certainly in 2008, you know, people struggle with the drawdowns. And you can't find a 60-40 portfolio globally anywhere that hasn't declined by at least two-thirds at some point. You know, certainly after inflation, it can be even far worse. Um, so that's hard because it often coincides with recessions and bad economy and bad geopolitical news flow. So again, 2008, your portfolio is going down the same time you're getting a, a margin call in your house at the same time you may have lost your job and at Lehman and, and all that happens at once. So it's not necessarily a really diversifying investment. Over the long term, sure, but over the short term, it's not. And that's kind of where trend following shines as a complement to what's going on in the, in the rest of the portfolio. But trend following is, as we all know, as most of us probably <laughs> experienced in 2018 and other years, um, is not safe from its own struggles. Um, they tend not to be the same struggles and the same timing as a lot of the buy and hold or value stuff. Uh, so, you know, it's the whipsaws, it's the times, um, the biggest struggles trend following, I think for allocators and investors is looking different, you know, is the risk of, Hey, the S and P is up 20. Why are you only up five or, um, whatever it may be. My neighbor's getting rich on Ethereum. Why, why am I not in this, uh, as opposed to this trend following fund? And so it's a different set of struggles. So we've kind of settled on this yin yang, and this is what works for me personally. For other people, it could be totally different of half in each. So half in the global market portfolio, which is roughly half stocks and bonds, half U.S. and half rest of the world, and half in trend following strategies. And um, this is a riff on an old John Bogle quote, and he would roll over in his grave. God bless him. I think he's national treasure, but to, to, to hear us talking about trend following and, and repurposing his quote about buy and hold. But he used to say, you know, he has a 50-50 stock bond allocation. And, you know, he says because he wants to spend half his time worrying he has too much in stocks and half the time worrying he has too much in bonds. And that's kind of the way that I've repurposed it to trend following is that I put half in sort of buy and hold investments. So when, uh, when the world's cruising along, I, I feel, you know, soft and fuzzy about how, how things are going. And I don't feel too different from everything, but at the same time, uh, have a large allocation to trend following that, that makes me feel like, um, I'm, I'm hopefully protected and diversified when, when it hits the fan too. 